Hello, and welcome back to the Bristow's Made a Baby podcast. I am your host, Becca, and I am the pregnant mom (laughs) who we are talking all about in this podcast. If you guys have been following along all these years, this is technically season four because this is baby number four. Um, My husband, Matt, and I are expecting our fourth child this upcoming March, and we don't know what we're having It's going to be another surprise baby, which is super fun. And in today's episode, I am going to be talking specifically about weeks 16 and 17 of this pregnancy. So we're getting further into the second trimester, which is just such a treat. I feel like each week that you get further from the difficulty of the first trimester or really just like those core early weeks that are um, really tough. It's just, it's nice. It's nice to like put it in the past and like you so easily forget how difficult it is. Um, And the further you get from it, the more you forget. (laughs) It's just kind of nice. So, um, so we're very much so in the second trimester. And I would say I'm definitely um, week 16 and 17 moving into very much like that honeymoon phase that women tend to talk about when it comes to the second trimester. So, as far as how I was feeling, um, I wrote feeling really good. Um, rarely nauseous at night um, is what I had written down. Um, but I said I'm still taking the Unisom. So that still is suppressing any nausea that might still be lingering. Um, so that likely is still helping. Um, the earliest I think I've ever started to like no longer be nauseous I want to say is like week 17. I can't remember which pregnancy that was, but that week comes to mind. And then the latest I still felt sick was like week 19. So typically once I hit that 20 week mark, I'm in the clear as far as nausea, at least historically. Um, So still definitely experiencing it, but it's very mild. um, And I think a lot of it has to do with the Unisom, still taking that, the Unisom and the B6 at night. Um, if I stopped taking that, then um, it would it would probably be a little bit worse, although not anywhere near, you know, what I was experiencing in those early weeks, but still definitely just there um, for sure. So um, wanted to talk about some other symptoms. So my varicose vein leg, and I say leg singular because it's really only one leg that has them, is nasty. <laughs> like if I'm just being totally honest, it is it just looks like it is like out of a horror film or something. Like it really is not, it's, it is not cute. So I have them in my right leg. I have one behind my left knee, like a little teeny one little vein that like sticks out a little bit, but that's it. Otherwise my left leg looks completely normal. There's not a spider vein to be seen. There's really no varicose veins. It is all my right leg, but my right leg, it's just so funny how it, how it can affect one side of your body and not the other. Um, It just has to do with how the uterus sits, I think. I don't know. But it is, and usually, you know, it's weird. Now I could, I could be wrong, but if, if memory serves, I'm almost positive that it's a lot more common to get them in your left leg because just the way that blood flow typically goes in your body with like a, a baby in there because, and I, I say that because I remember when I had my DVT, it was in my left leg and they were saying it's way more common for women to get um, like a, you know, 
pregnancy or postpartum related DVT in their left leg, which mine was in the left leg. But um, it, they're, it's always like a little odd that all of my varicose veins are in my right leg. I don't know. So anywho, so varicose veins, <clears throat> if you don't know what they are, this is my third pregnancy experiencing them. I didn't have any varicose veins in my first pregnancy, which is kind of wild. Um, and then they started, I started noticing them er, very early in the second trimester in my second pregnancy. They do run in my family. This is like a genetic thing. Um, I don't think my mom had them when she was pregnant. She doesn't have them now, but, um, some of my aunts and I think even some of my cousins, um, like had them during pregnancy. I know my grandmother on my mom's side had them during pregnancy and like, you know, had them, I guess, later in life. I don't know. But they are basically um, veins that are like they they're not, they're not working totally properly. So what ends up happening is like the veins that are supposed to be shooting like flowing blood back up your leg. Um, they're just not doing a super efficient job. So you end up getting blood that kind of comes back down, like uh, almost like upstream, but it's technically downstream because your legs are trying to push that blood up against gravity and it's a hard task. So some of that blood ends up kind of like back flowing back down your leg. And this puts a lot of pressure on the veins and they end up like bubbling out and like like they get really big and um, they stick out of your skin. They can appear almost like bubbly. Um, it's very, very bizarre. So I have those. <clears throat> they've gotten worse with each pregnancy. Um, they've always, they started in like the back of my right like thigh. Like that was like the, where the very first one showed up. It was like from kind of like from the, um, I guess from the, outside of my right knee and it kind of like goes diagonally like across the back of my thigh that was like the very first one that I had now that one has turned into like a little network <laughs> there are several all clustered together right there it's 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 just really honestly it's really gross like there's just no other way to describe it um and I have some other ones on my leg, but that's definitely the worst. But then this pregnancy, they've even started to pop up in my shin on that leg. So like the lower, like below my knee, which I've never had them below my knee before. Um, they're not as bad as the ones up top, but they are definitely there. Um, and they go like all the way up, like all the way to the vag basically, which is really lovely. So there's varicose veins all throughout. <laughs> Um, it's just, you know, the joys, the joys of creating life. Um, and then I also have tons of spider veins all over that leg. Like there's like clusters of them. They're very purple. Now they do almost completely go away when I'm not pregnant. Um, I feel like after I had Hadley, who was my second, I feel like they pretty much like they completely went away. Like even that really bad one on the back of my leg, it was gone. Like you could not see it. And all the spider veins almost completely like lightened up to where they weren't purple anymore. So you couldn't really see those either. Um, it was the same with bow all the, after bow, all the, all the spider veins pretty much went away, but I still had that one like OG really bad varicose vein across the back of my thigh that never went away. Um, it didn't hurt, but it was visible. Um, I feel like with each pregnancy, <clears throat> excuse me, there's maybe just a little bit more damage to those veins and they can't quite bounce back like they used to. Um, so I, I can only imagine what it's going to be like after this pregnancy. Um, 
but it's it's probably not going to be good. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be nearly as bad as what it is now. Um, but also, you know, you think about it. You so there's like two things kind of working against you. So you've got um, this pressure like from the the baby in your uterus and the placenta and that fluid like all of that heaviness um that that pressure that can mess with blood flow um but then also your blood volume literally doubles when you're pregnant and about the 20 week mark is when it's like completed it's doubling so you just have so much more blood flowing around so it can be you know like more pressure on the veins it can be more blood that can backflow. Like it's just, there's just a lot going on. And this doesn't, does not happen to all women. Um, it's so funny. Like sometimes I see like cute pregnant moms, like wearing dresses with their legs out. And I'm just like, look at those beautiful, smooth legs. Like I literally can't even imagine. I cannot wear a dress because well, one, I just do not want these veins like out and about, but also I, um, I mean, I guess I could wear a dress. I'm not saying I can't. Um, but I, so I wear a varicose or I'm sorry, I wear a compression stocking on my right leg 24 seven. Like before I roll out of bed in the morning, um, as soon as my eyes are open, I grab my, my stocking and I put it on before I stand up. Cause when I, as soon as I stand up within like 30 seconds, the veins pop back out. Um, and they're actually, they can be a little painful. Um, when I first stand up, especially like around my like knee area, like when I, you can literally like feel them filling up and it's, it's a little bit painful. So as long as I have the stocking on, that really keeps that to a minimum. Um, but if I like, if I'm laying down and I stand up really fast, um, and I like just start like moving sometimes that happens even with the stocking on. Um, but it's rare, but if I'm not wearing the stocking, which is also rare, um, if I get up and I'm like just on the move, I'll just feel them filling up. It's very uncomfortable, even to like the point of it being a little bit painful. Um, so the stocking is huge. Wear it every day. I'm like so used to wearing it now. I wear a thigh high one. In my very first pregnancy, I got like maternity compression stockings and they were on both legs and they were so uncomfortable. Um, I just didn't know any better. Like that's just like what my midwife suggested. So I just got it. I didn't realize there was other options. Um, and one, it was on both legs when I really only need the help on my right leg. Um, but also since they're stockings, they like go all the way up and they would like the top, like, cause it had like a belly band, but it didn't really stay up. So I would just roll them roll them down. And so I'd have like stockings, like digging into my sides all day long. It was just very uncomfortable. And also with those stockings, the actual compression only goes up to like the, towards the top of your thigh anyway. So all of that extra fabric that's like going like around your butt and up towards your belly is not offering anything. It's just there. So that when I realized that I was like, I'm just going to do a thigh high because it literally makes no difference. And as far as compression, it seems to me. And they are so much more comfortable. Um, mine does not really slide down. Um, I can link the exact ones I use. They're called like, I get them on Amazon. They're called like toe fly. It's like T O F L Y L. Yeah. Did I spell that right? Um, and those have been amazing. I've tried other ones that do kind of slide down. You have to keep pulling them up during the day and it's annoying, but these really stay in place very well. And I find them to be as far as compression stockings go. And I wear like the 15 to 20, which are tight. Um, and I find them to be pretty comfortable and they stay up really well. Another thing is if they slide down, it'll like gather behind the back of your knee. And every time you bend your knee, it's like, it's like wrinkled up and it can start to hurt. Um, so you really don't want to slide it down. It's just, it's just annoying. So those really stay in place. Anyway, whoo, my God, that was quite the rabbit hole. So major varicose veins happening. They're 
hideous. <laughs> To say the least, um, wearing my compression stocking all the time um, to help, I mean, help keep them from getting worse. I don't think there's really anything that's going to keep them from getting worse. I think just pregnancy after pregnancy, like there's just, they kind of don't have a chance. Um, but I'm sure they would, they would get even more worse if I wasn't wearing it. But also it's just really uncomfortable not to wear it. So of course I'm going to wear it. Um, okay, so... That's another major symptom. Um, another thing I started doing in these weeks is actually doing some light workouts. Um, there are, so we have a Peloton bike, which I have not been on in eons, if I'm just being totally honest. Matt uses it a lot more than I do, but I used to use it. And then, you know, I've just had all these pregnancies pretty much back to back. And the thing with working out, like I used to, let me, let me say, before I started having kids, I was very active. Like I would go to the gym. Um, I always played sports in high school. I went to the gym a lot in college. I carried that through into my young adult years. Um, I've never been someone who like loves to work out. Like it's not something where I'm like, I can't wait to go to the gym. Like I look forward to it. Like not at all. It's just more so something that I do it because it makes me feel a lot better. I feel so much better when I'm in shape. Um, like physically, like just, I feel less like sluggish. My digestion's better. I feel like I'm more apt to crave healthy food if I'm working out consistently. Um, but then also mentally, it's amazing for stress. It's so good for your mind. And it's something that I always did. And if I ever like kind of like started slacking a little bit, I would just start to feel the effects of like not working out. And that was enough just to be like, yeah, this is really important to me. Like I need to like kind of hold myself accountable in that way just because I wanted to feel good. Um, now once I started having babies, um, you know, that first, very first, first trimester just like completely knocked me out. And, um, and then, you know, I just kept getting pregnant in pretty quick succession after that. Um, we got the Peloton bike when, um, Hayden was like a baby. Um, we got it at like the start of 2020 quarantine. Um, and I actually did get really back in shape at that point because I was using the Peloton. I was working out a lot and it was great and I loved it. And then I got pregnant with Hads and then I got pregnant with Bo when she was seven months old. And then I got pregnant with this baby when he was 11 months old. So I just never really, I just never really got back into, I just never really got back into a routine that really stuck. Um, and also to be honest, like I was saying this to my mom the other day, I was just like, it's, it's just, it's so unmotivating to try and get back into shape knowing that I'm just going to get pregnant again and get back out of shape. Like it's just, it just feels like it makes more sense to just kind of like do what I can, what I can. I'm like chasing these kids around. I'm not like, you know, completely sedentary by any means. Um, and then when I'm done having kids, like then I want to like get back in shape and I want to stay that way. Cause it is super important Physical activity is so important for so many reasons. Um, even just like something is, I mean, it's not small, but that has nothing to do with like how you look or like, you know, being in shape as far as um, muscles or any of that. But like literally like just when I think about like I want to work out so that like my bones stay strong, like I don't want to be like a frail old lady. Like I want I want to really take care of myself, but it's just this season of life. It's just it's just not fitting. It like, it really isn't. And like, yes, I could prioritize it more, but, um, it's just been something that's been really difficult for me to, to do that and do it consistently. So anywho, so my, anything that I can do is like a huge win. So <clears throat> I found, so Peloton has like strength workouts as well that are, have nothing to do with the bike. And they actually have like a whole section on like prenatal, 
and postnatal workouts, um, which are really great. Some of the instructors, you know, when they're pregnant, they film the, or I guess postpartum film these, these videos. And there's not like a ton, but there's, there's enough. And so I started doing, they have like full body strength, they have core strength. Um, and it's, it's all workouts that are designed for pregnancy or postpartum, which I haven't been doing those obviously. Um, and so they're great because they really take into account, um, you know, think like thinking about your pelvic, like taking the pelvic floor into account, um, you know, not doing moves that are going to like stress your core in the wrong way to where you're going to like end up getting diastasis. Like they're, they're obviously made for pregnancy, which is what I'm looking for. And they're, they're like just enough to like get the blood flowing to like use your muscles to actually feel like accomplished, like you did something, but it's not something that's going to like wipe me out for the day because I really just don't have nearly as much energy when I'm pregnant. Like it's, it's tough for me to work out because, it's tough for me to work out. Like it's just, it it tends to wipe me out. So I I can't do something. I just can't do something that's like sustained over a long period of time. So anywho, so started doing some Peloton workouts during these weeks. I usually do it super early in the morning. Um, like before the kids wake up, that's, if I don't do it, then it's just basically not going to happen. I know some women will like work out with their, while their kids like mill around and play. And I wish I could be that mom, but I'm just not like, I just, don't like it. I can't focus. I like they're getting in my way. Like I just, I just am not like, I don't know. That just doesn't work for me. So, um, and also they don't care for it. They're like, what are you doing? I want to play. Like you're right here on the floor. Why are, why are we not playing? And so they don't get it. And I understand because of course they don't understand. Um, okay. So that's like pretty much it as far as symptoms, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then there were some other, oh, actually one more thing. This is just kind of gross. And it had to do with my varicose vein or my compression stocking. I ended up getting like an ingrown hair, which is the first time I've, I don't know if I've ever had an ingrown hair, to be honest. Um, but just from like wearing that stocking all day, every day, um, I ended up getting like an ingrown hair on my leg and it was surprisingly painful. It was like very swollen and I didn't know what it was. I was like, is there like a pimple on my leg? And Matt was like, that's an ingrown hair. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I put a little tea tree on there and it literally cleared it right up. Um, but it was just, it was just kind of bizarre. So but that's it for symptoms. Um, so then some other, um, like life things that happened during these weeks. So first I'm going to talk about, um, like m- maternity care or prenatal care. So I had, um, another OB appointment in week 16. It was pretty standard. I like, you know, they're always like, do you have any questions? And I'm like, no, like, uh, this is not my first rodeo. All good. Blood pressure's fine. Weight's fine. Like everything's good. Heartbeat's great. Um, usually I am like in and out of there, but I did want to ask. Um, so my OB office, when I, so if, if it were my choice, I would be having a home birth, um, or at the very least a, a birth center birth, like full blown midwifery care. I just do not care for obstetric care. I just don't. The model is just not, it's just not for me. I'm not interested in it. I don't like it. Um, and I don't mean to like, you know, be negative, but it's just like, it is what it is. There's just like very little about the obstetric, obstetric model of care that excites me. Um, I am just so much more, a better fit for midwifery care, um, and having like a, 
uh, intervention free birth and being in a place that encourages that versus, you know, being in a place where that's like not the norm. Um, I don't fault the hospital. I don't fault OBs. Like that is, that is just the model. Like that's what they signed up for. Um, and of course that's what they're carrying out. And that's like, that's great for them. Um, I'm not against it by any means, but it's just not what I want. And it's just not the best fit for me. But unfortunately, because of my history of DVT and my, my being on, the Lovinox um, and the heparin and like the blood thinners in pregnancy, um, I basically risk out of like out of hospital birth. And yes, there are midwives um, that work in hospitals, of course, but there are um, at least around where I live and I have done so much research, you guys, like I would give anything <laughs> to not be just going to like a regular old OB office. Cause it's just not for me, but all of the ones in my area, um, like the midwives, like they might have midwives in the practice, but you can't just see the midwife. Like you can't just choose the midwife. And then also it's still a total crapshoot of who shows up at your birth. So for me, that's like, I might as well just be seeing an OB. Like it really is not that different. Like I'm still in the system. I'm still in that model of care. And like if I have in the off chance, I get the midwife there, like while I'm in labor, like that would be great. Um, but there's no way of me controlling that. I can't sign up for that. So it's just kind of like, what's honestly, I feel like what's the point. So, but all of that being said, my OB office, when I, um, the first time I went there was with Bo. Um, because that was my first pregnancy post DVT. And, um, there was only two doctors in the practice at the time. And I did so much research. I like asked a bunch of women who live in my area. And like, this was the one office they were like, out of all the OBs, like this is where you want to be. Cause they're going to be the most open to your wanting a natural, like more off hands, um, or I'm sorry, hands off birth. Now, mind you, they're still obese, okay? Like, they're still like, well, it's 41 weeks, time to induce. Like, you know, like, they're they're not, they're not midwives, okay? But, um, but that was where every, that was like the general consensus, like, of everyone I talked to. And I did have a good experience, like, with the obese. Like, I did feel like they, um, you know, they were open to talking to me and listening to me. And, like, they, I didn't feel like I was just, like, a number to them. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I am, I am a number to them. Like, and it's not their fault. Like, they see, like, a bajillion patients. Like, it's just, it's more the system that I don't like. Um, not my, necessarily my obese. I did actually, you know, I, I felt ha- like happy with the care that they gave me as far as like my appointments go. Um, but then if you know my history with Bo, um, it was just the two doctors. So of course they're not, can't be at the hospital all the time. Like they have to live lives. They have to have boundaries. Like, again, I am not folding the doctors. It's just the system. That's just not great. So they partner with another office. Um, so that, you know, and they basically like, whoever is on call between either my doctors or this other office, like that's who's there when you go in to have your baby. Um, and you know, of course they were kind of pushing me like, well, if you really want one of us to be there, we can go ahead and set up an induction and and pretty much like kind of guarantee that we'll be there. But I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like I am not like, no, this is why I just hate the system so much. I'm just like, absolutely not. Like I am not, no, just no. So there's basically no way to, ensure that someone I've actually know and trust as my care provider would be there during my birth. It was just kind of like, well, hopefully it happens, um, which I don't love. And then 
when I actually did go into labor, I ended up having a doctor whom I literally never met, um, who, which is like, honestly, not that big of a deal to me because like, I do want a hands off labor. Like I just, I want to be left alone. Like I wish I could just have a home birth and just be totally uninterrupted and left alone, but that's just not in the cards for me. Um, so I don't really like, it's, it's not so much that like, I want someone there that like, I feel comfortable with and like, I, I want their presence. Like, it's not that, but he was extremely pushy. Um, you know, very old school. Like literally if I had, like, he would have been the absolute last doctor I would have ever chosen for myself. Cause he was just the absolute wrong fit. I don't think he's like ever seen a woman give birth without an epidural. Um, when he came in, the very first time, this was like the first time I was like meeting this doctor who was going to be there during the birth of my child. <laughs> and I was laying in bed calm as a cucumber because I know how to labor. I know how to stay calm. And he's like, oh, so, so you got your epidural. That's great. We're just cruising along. And I was like, no, I actually didn't get an epidural. Like, thank you for just assuming that, though. Like, clearly you have never seen someone give birth without an epidural then. Great. And he was just super just pushy with interventions. And I was so uncomfortable in the hospital, like I literally couldn't relax. My labor completely stalled. This happened twice, but the second time that I was in the hospital and it stalled out, um, I had an induction scheduled for the next day. So it was like pointless to, to like go home and come back. So of course we ended up doing everything, breaking my water, doing the Pitocin, which is nothing that I wanted, but I literally felt like so, um, I just didn't feel comfortable with that doctor. I didn't. He really messed with my mind. I was just like pissed that he was there. I it was like I'm mad at the situation and I therefore could not, I literally couldn't relax and my body wouldn't like it stopped laboring like as if I was in danger. So anywho, so that's a long story to bring up the fact that there are now more providers in my office. So that to me is exciting because it's it's a better shot that I will have someone that I've actually met before um, who understands where I'm coming from, who is like, you know, briefed on my preferences and who I actually like, who I know. Um, so they added another doctor, which I still haven't met yet, um, but I will have an appointment with soon. Um, and they also added a midwife. So they've doubled their providers, which is exciting. So excuse me, during this appointment, I basically asked um, the OB, I said, okay, so we have more providers now. So how does this work still? Like, are am I still, like four seems like kind of a lot. Like there are some birth centers that have like four midwives and like you're, you're going to have one of the midwives. And I'm like, how, how is this working? Like with um, getting a rando again, like, can you explain this to me? So Basically, she said is, if you go into labor Monday through Friday in normal business hours, you will have one of us there. But otherwise, it's just kind of like, whoever you get is whoever you get. And honestly, again, I wanted to stress that I do not fault the OBs for this. I could tell when she was telling me this, she felt bad. She feel like I could just tell that she's like, this is not fun news to deliver. And like, this is just a flaw of the system. And, um... I don't know if I've mentioned, I know I haven't mentioned this yet, but earlier on in this pregnancy, I actually reached out to my old home birth midwife and just asked her again, like, is there any way we can do a home birth? Like even with me being on Lovenox. And at first she was like kind of open to it. And then like the more research she did, the more she was just like, she honestly kind of like led me on a little bit and I really got my hopes up. But then she ended up being like, it's just, it's just 
I just can't do it unless she was like, you get an OB to do like a co-care situation and it's just not going to happen. Um, but so I, and I remember explaining to her, explaining to my home birth midwife, this system, right. And she was just like, that is horrible. Like that's that, those were her words. She said, that is horrible. Like that, what kind of system is that where you can just have a random provider that you've never met that may have like, whatever. Okay. I'm like, really, I'm, I'm getting deep too deep here. But so, so I had this conversation with her and I, I could tell that she was like, she felt bad. She was kind of like, yeah, like, it's just, this is, this is what it is. Like (laughs) if your baby likes Monday through Friday business hours, we're in good shape. Otherwise, like, I don't really know what to tell you. She did tell me, she was like, I'm not, she was like, well, I'm not sure what your experience was with Dr. Blah, 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 who I had with Bo. And I could tell just the way she said it. I'm like, she knows I didn't like, like, of course I didn't like him. I could just tell. She's like, I'm not sure what your experience was, but, um, just so you know, he's like semi-retired now and is no longer doing births. He's just doing office visits. So like, at least that's great. But, um, and then she listed off the other, there's three other doctors, um, that could potentially be there who I don't know, except for one, one out of the three I actually do know. Um, when I miscarried years ago, um, I was at a birth center at the time and I really wanted, I didn't, I was trying to avoid a DNC. And, um, so I tried to, I wanted to take, I think it's called like misoprostol or something like that. Um, which is a drug that can stimulate like, or like kick labor into gear. Um, but midwives can't prescribe that. So, um, they sent me to this OB office that they sometimes work with. And I just took the first appointment that was available. Cause I was like, you know, it was a stressful time and I was trying to get this show on the road. Uh, cause I had a miscarriage. I had no idea until, um, we had an ultrasound, there was no heartbeat and, um, I, and my body was like, st- I was still thinking I was pregnant. Like there was, it was not anyway. So I went, um, and I had an appointment with this doctor and I literally, it was, the one of the worst experiences of my life she was and I listen I am so easygoing like I'm very easy to please like especially in those situations like I am not like going to be combative like I'm just like okay here I am like I'm I really like I am like I'm not I'm just not that way but she was so cold to me and um just like I was I wanted to be like, do you realize I'm here? Cause I'm like literally in the midst of a miscarriage. Like I'm losing a child and you literally don't seem to care. Like I've never met a doctor who seemed more burnt out and just like pissed off. Um, it was, it was horrendous. And then I ended up looking her up afterwards and the reviews of her were also horrendous. Like literally someone said like, I wouldn't even send my dog to her. Like she's just terrible. Um, so of course she's one of the doctors that I could potentially have. And I think if she walks in the room, I will literally just walk out. Cause I'm going to be like, my labor is just going to 100% stall because I really strongly dislike this woman. So, so yeah, as you can tell, I'm, I'm really not super happy with, with this prospect. I'm trying really hard to just let it go and lots of prayer to, just miraculously feel super comfortable in the hospital and not have my labor stall and just try and break down this, um, negative view I have of it. Um, but as you can tell, it's something that I'm really struggling with. So on that note, um, I was actually talking to a mom 
um, that's part of this like homeschool co-op that I joined. And she offhandedly mentioned this birth center that I've never heard of. Um, and I'm telling you, like, I've done a lot of research, you guys. Like, I know that there are two birth centers in my area. And all of a sudden, she's, like, talking about this birth center that she's giving birth at. And I've never heard of it. It's literally, like, almost, I was like, is this a secret? Like, and she's like, no. And it's been there apparently since, like, the 70s. But I guess it's, um, it's, it's literally in, like, Amish country. So I don't know if they're just not, they're probably not very, like, my guess is they're not very, like, tech savvy. And so they're website just like does not come up when you search birth centers like in this area it's more of a word of mouth thing so sorry if you can hear that very loud truck um i am podcasting from the car yet again (laughs) um and so she told me about it and i so i looked it up and i'm like i mean every other birth center i've talked to every other midwife i've talked to said that i'm like contraindicated from midwifery care because of the blood thinners um but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to call. I'm just going to call. Like, what What the heck? Why not? So I called and explained the situation. And I talked to the nurse. And you know what, guys? She actually didn't tell me no. I could not believe it. She said, you know, basically that it's she, she, literally her words to me was, it's not a no. I need to talk to our director. Um because this is obviously like a special case, but she said, we've dealt with some things like this before, but I would need to, I would need to talk to her because it's, it's, it's ultimately her decision. Um, like which clients we accept and don't. So I couldn't believe it. I was floored that she wasn't like, cause literally every time I've, anytime I've talked to anyone else other than my home birth midwife who really did entertain it. Um, they just say, Oh, you're on blood thinners. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That contraindicates you out of our care. Uh, you know, we wish she could help you, but wish you all the best, like click kind of thing. So, um, I was just so surprised and was, I like tried not to get my hopes up because I was like, okay, chances are this like probably isn't going to work out. Um, and it is definitely further. Like it is a, about a 45 minute drive. Um, which to me feels like the max that I would like sign myself up for. Um, like for, you know, driving that way during, I think about labor. It's like the appointments is one thing. It is what it is. But um, I probably wouldn't go any further than that. But for midwifery care, like sign me up. Like I totally would. And like a birth center birth where I can just do my thing and not be interrupted and not be, you know, strapped to monitors and have an IV shoved in my hand and like all that. Um, so I'll, I'll keep you guys posted on, cause I didn't, I didn't get an answer from her, but she said she would call me back. Um, so that was kind of like, it was like a little, like a thrill of hope. <laughs> um, because as you guys can tell, this is something that I'm like really struggling with. Um, and I'm, I'm part of me is like angry about it. And then part of me is like, you can't always get what you want back. Like, it just is what it is. Like, this is how life goes. And, you know, it's like, I can't even die on this hill because there's, there's like no hill to even stand on. Like, I don't have, I really, unless this birth center works out, like, I really don't have a choice. Like, it's just, it's just is what it is. So I go back and forth. Like when I, like, when I like really think about it and like right now as I'm talking about it, like the more like worked up I get about it. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, I'm more just like, it is what it is. Like, it's just, it's just what it is. So, um, something I've really, really, really been praying for, like my biggest focus for this upcoming birth, um, you know, 
since I'm assuming it will be in the hospital, is just like total peace and calm. And that is something that I, I prayed for in my last birth. And it was, despite my labor completely stalling, despite having this doctor that I did not care for, um, despite having interventions I really didn't want to end up having, um, it was incredibly peaceful. Like it was, it felt very spiritual in a way. And um, just just how well I handled the contractions, especially like with Pitocin, especially towards the end, like it really did feel like a supernatural birth in a way because I was completely calm, like completely calm, laying in bed, still not moaning, not moving, just complete, like, like peace. But that was also like in the midst of using drugs to get my labor to actually progress. So my prayer this time is I just, I like, I want to be so calm and comfortable and feel safe in the hospital environment because I I want my labor to progress. Um, I don't want to, I don't want it to end up that way again. Um, so we'll, I mean, we'll see how, we'll see how it goes. I, ha- I honestly have no idea, but um, that's something that I've just been kind of praying for and hoping for um, to be different this time around, because again, I just want my body to be able to do its thing. I want to be as uninterrupted as I can be, which <laughs> feels like a joke saying that out loud because the hospital is full of interruptions. Like you got to park and then I have to like walk really far and then I have to go to tr- like the window and sign papers and then triage and then a different room. And then like, it's just anyway. So don't love the hospital as you can tell. It's, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Um, so the only other main, main thing that happened, um, which is a big thing, exciting thing that happened, um, was we actually ended up going under contract for our house. I mentioned before that, at least I think I did. Yeah, I did in the last episode that we decided to sell our house. We bought this cot. Well, first we bought the cottage and then we decided to sell the house. Um, And we thought it would go quickly, but you just never know. Um, I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a beautiful house. Like we've just loved living there. It's on a great piece of property in an awesome area. So we weren't super concerned about it, like staying on the market for a while, but, um, but it did end up going really quickly. It only took about two days and it was, we were under contract, um, with a great offer. And it was just like, ah, it was like a big sigh of relief, something to, you know, just be happy about and celebrate. And it was just a really good thing. So, um, so that was a huge, like upside, uh, in these weeks. That was like a big, exciting thing that happened. Um, because if you've ever sold your house, you know, it is so stressful, getting it ready and keeping it clean. We did, and I mentioned this in the other episode, but we did like move out for the weekend. Um, we stayed with my parents for a couple of nights, I think. Um, and then we had like a ton of showings like during that time, um, because there's nothing more stressful than having to keep your house spotless and be like ready at a moment's notice to leave. Um, so we didn't want to do that. So we were just so, so grateful that we were able to get under contract by the end of that weekend. So we could just like move back in and be done with that part of it. Um, because it is, it is stressful. It's a lot of work. So, so that was super exciting. Um, but that's pretty much it for week 16 and 17. Um, lots of the symptoms that I'm experiencing. Obviously you guys have gotten a pretty good peek into my head and where I'm at with this upcoming birth and how I feel about the location of it. (sighs) But it's definitely, 
something I'm trying to work on. Um, I'm sure I'm not alone in this, although I feel like this situation is pretty rare where you have, and, and it's, what is the most frustrating thing about it is I'm technically not high risk. Like it's, it's not a high risk pregnancy just because I am on um, the Lovenox and I have a history of DVT. First off, the DVT happened postpartum. Can it happen during pregnancy? Absolutely, it can. And when you have a history of one, you have an even greater risk of having like another one. But, you know, it happened to me postpartum when I was like, you know, had this huge gaping wound inside of my body that was healing and I was laying in bed for days on end, like completely sedentary, just like sleeping and nursing the baby. Like that's what I was doing. So I'm not like overly concerned about getting one during pregnancy. I mean, one, I'm on the blood thinners, A. Um, but what's what's so frustrating about it is like outside of that, I'm a completely normal pregnancy. And really the only risk is when like I go into labor, if the Lovenox is A, in my system, but more importantly, like fresh in my system. Because um, when I really pressed my OB on it last time, because I was generally worried about like hemorrhaging. Like I don't, of course I don't want to hemorrhage. Um, that's scary. But when I really pressed her on it, I was, cause I was worried about timing and getting to the hospital. And, you know, they told me if, if you feel like labor might be starting, skip your shot. Um, and she basically told me, so at the end I switched to a drug called heparin, which only lasts for 12 hours. Lovenox is 24. And she said it can even last a little bit longer than that. Um, so it's in my system for a lot less time. And she basically said, if you give yourself your heparin shot and that baby is born like within four hours, like that is when we're really concerned about bleeding risk. She said, not that there's not bleeding risk after that, but she said that is where like my biggest concern lies. She says the further that you get from that, um, the time that you gave the shot, obviously the less chance as your body's processing the drug. So, um, that's at least how she explained it to me. Um, so, but when I went into labor with Bo, like when I was in active labor, so I skipped my shot the night before and then I woke up at 4 a.m. with like contractions starting. So by the time my labor was active, which was around like, I don't know, 7 a.m. I would say, um, I, they were already completely out of my system. I had no blood thinners in my system and I was just entering active labor. Like I wasn't even close to like pushing him out. Um, and I've never had a precipitous labor. I've never had anything close to precipitous labor. They're always pretty slow and steady and like minimum eight hours minimum. Um, Hayden was 15, Bo was 12. Um, so I'm just not that, I'm just not that concerned about hemorrhaging due to a precipitous birth after a blood thinner shot. Like I'm just, it's just not a big concern of mine. But it doesn't really, it just doesn't really matter. Like, it's, unless I want to have, like, an unassisted birth at home, which I don't feel comfortable with, like, it's just, I don't really have choice. So, um, anyway, so I'm going to stop talking about it because I'm clearly rambling on about this. You can tell I'm a little passionate, get a little fiery um, when it comes to this topic. Um, But that's all I have for this episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed watching. Next week, we'll be back to talk about probably 18 and 19. So we're getting very close to that halfway mark, which is very exciting. Um, But thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed, as I said. And I'll see you next time. Bye.